house and uh, clearly uh, by the Spirit, I was praying there and I saw a little bit of an adjustment about the way I needed to attack this morning. And as the morning unfolds, you'll understand. But it's critical. Uh, you know, sometimes I say these things and I realize that it's just, it can be like white noise um, when familiarity gets involved. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, it's critical that you release your faith. Amen. I mean, decide. Yes. Amen. Today's different in the way I'm going to hear some things. Yeah. Amen. I choose to hear it differently. And I'm on the edge of my seat. Because I have some things to say to you. That the scripture says in the book of Habakkuk, when the Lord visited me at eight, man, I wasn't 18, I was earlier than that in my teenage years, supernaturally, but of Hebrews 13, 8, and I've, you've heard that story. But one of the scriptures he said that he used was, Behold, you despisers wonder and perish, for I'll work a work in your days. You can in no wise believe it, even if somebody described it to you in detail. And the Lord said, I'm going to do some things in your lifetime if you'll be faithful that you can't even conceive right now if I were to show it to you. I was not in a spiritual place of maturity, an emotional place, a physical place of maturity to see and even embrace and understand. God is saying to you today, get clear about it, that these been saying things for 20 years you hadn't been able to believe. Come face to face in the mirror and admit And now I'm going to wipe the slate clean because God's not hindered by time or the time it took me to grow up where I could actually hear it. Glory be to God. And I'm telling you, things have changed. Woo, glory to God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to do it the way he said while I was praying there, and it'll, I just believe the scripture will help us get there. Glory to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Yes, sir, I'll do that. Ephesians chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 6, 16. The Apostle Paul says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the spirit of revelation is in the house. Some things are going to jump off the page for you. That's our God. That's your Father. He's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Mm. There's so much in there, I don't, have, I don't need to digress with that. The Father of glory. Look at this now. May give unto you. Amen. 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 The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Glory be to God. This is the very same exact spirit that overshadowed a teenage young virgin maiden named Mary. 
said, Behold, the time has come for everything the prophets have prophesied to take on a body, and you are the delivery mechanism. Now, how does a word come to a teenage girl? First of all, women in that level of society. Unmarried is now going to be visited and has been visited by an angel that says, the entirety of everything God has ever said through all of his holy prophets is now going to get conceived inside of you and born through your womb in a body. Come on now, talk to me. Christianity is not a religion, it's a miracle. And the way it's propagated is by faith. And her first question was, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Are you listening to me? Now, Zechariah asked the same question, but he was old and Elizabeth was old, and his question, exactly phrased in the same words, but from the different motive. So he was stricken dumb for season. So he wouldn't mess it up because God had a plan because he was going to mess it up because he doubted. The whole reason he was stricken dumb is because he said, how's this going to happen? And like <laughs> skeptical, scoffing laugh, that can't ever be. Lord, we've been trying to have babies forever. See, he's totally in the natural because the years have done a number on his expectation. You have to be honest with yourself. What you've been through has taken the edge off of the spirit of faith that's going to happen today. You have to get that young faith back. You have to get that fresh faith back. Now understand, the, whole, the angel came and said, Fear not, Mary, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. Today, the Lord's hand is going to come upon you while I'm preaching. Okay, I'll try that over here. We're still a little slow on the uptake. See, the expectation is we're here to listen. No, you're here to receive. You are not here to listen. You're here to have something imparted to you. That's why you hadn't been able to do it, because the impartation is the critical empowerment to be able and it takes faith for that to happen. For conception to happen inside the womb of your spirit, you're going to have to say to the Lord, even though your mind doesn't see that you know anybody can make it happen, be it unto me according to your word. That's exactly what Mary said. There was a word that had to be born in her, and it was impossible. Things were not in order physically. She wasn't married yet. She couldn't figure out a physical channel through which it could happen. But yet God is saying all of the sum total of the completion of everything prophesied for a long time is going to find its way into manifestation through you. This is big. This is more than Mary and Christmas. This is how you and I conceive God's plan in our lives. It says the same thing about Sarah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and 12. It says, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed even though she was past age because she judged him faithful to promise and therefore sprang of one as many as the stars for a multitude. 
So now you've got maybe a 13, 14-year-old girl and a 90-year-old woman. And both of them got the same miracle because they believed. Something so much greater than they could ever have produced. Especially with the natural circumstances around them. This isn't about the natural circumstances, the limits, the numbers, the odds, the economy, the interest rate, the geographical location. This is about can you believe it? If you believe it, he can do it. If you're, if you're, if you're big enough to believe it, he's a God enough to do it. Because the idea is him getting the glory. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now, this is the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what God knows about him, what God knows about his plan. So the, the biggest problem is the perception of men that have the audacity to have any idea that they think they have a little bit of handle on the greatness of his plan. Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how much higher his thoughts are about what he already wanted to do than what we've allowed. So now go with me to something I want to show you by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just working on you right now, massaging that sound mind so that we can see clearly. Amen. Are you hearing me? All right. So go with me, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. Because per what the Holy Ghost said, as I was praying there, he said, go this direction. And so uh, he wants me to lay the, found, found the, the groundwork through this. Glory to God. Verse 18, Isaiah 43, 18. I want you to, yeah, I love those pages turning. Thank you for going to your Bible. It's already flowing. Remember ye not the former things. And there's something happening in this room if you only just knew. This is like the second service of a new church. If you just really, but we're working on it, so I'm, i got to work on you. All right. Remember ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. For behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing and now. I'm not going to do a new thing. I am doing a new thing now. It's new now. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. Now, we've got some things to get to today concerning the ministry and the church and the order of things and where we are in the prophetic timeline of God's vision for what's being done in harvest international ministries and thereby the exploding new anointing that's on a brand new branch that just shot out the local church. 
and we're going to set things in order. Glory be to God. Woo, glory be to God. So I want to remind you of something that you may or may not know. I don't think you'll know the prophetic utterance because it's the backstory. But many of you are aware of the great miracle, and it was absolutely a miracle. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but it was an absolute miracle when that interstate moved off that property. No question about it. All right. What you don't know on the backstory is the verse I just read to you one morning I got up and the Spirit of the Lord, I got a phone call from uh, one of my spiritual fathers, uh, Jay Blevins, prophet of God. He called me and said, Tracy, I was in prayer for you this morning. He said, uh, and I, uh, I, I, I've got a word for you. And I said, okay, praise the Lord. And he said, concerning that interstate, because see, they said they couldn't move it. All the money had been spent. It couldn't get redesigned. He gave me Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Look, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said there's a way they don't know, but that interstate is moving, and they're going to find the path. There's a way they don't know yet, but God's about to reveal them a way to do it, and that interstate's moving off that property. Like Mary, I just pondered that in my heart because my mother had a vision about the same time, about the same day or week. And she said, Tracy, I was praying and I just had a vision. And she drew it out on a piece of paper. I, I'm not sure I still have that piece of paper. I try to keep those things, but sometimes, you know, a lot of transference goes on. And the property was there and how the, how was the interstate was coming across the property. She said, I saw the, I saw the, the property like this. And she said, I saw a line, and the line just turned, and it just went up over the top of the property and went around like that. She said, they're going to they're take that interstate around that property. And it's exactly the way she drew it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now turn with me to the book of Luke. Ooh, I sense the anointing so strong today. Whew, aren't you glad to be a part of this new church? I said, aren't you glad to be a part of this new church? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 19. My, my, my. You better not get comfortable. There's lots of folks coming to this new church. It's going to grow very quickly now. You mark my words. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God's going to give this new church a building within a year. Yes, sir. You mark my words. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For, for, remember not the former things. Consider, don't even consider anything else that's ever happened. I said, the Holy Ghost is saying to you, if you have the faith to believe it and the capacity to do it, because you can do it, you're not even to factor anything that's ever been before into what we're doing now. Nothing that's ever happened has anything to do with where this church is going. And I'm going to explain to you why. Remittance means removal. Old things are passed away. 
All things have become new. And if anybody be in Christ, there's a, they're a new creature. So God's going to start visiting you, rearranging, knocking off the crust and all the stuff so that you can become fresh in the way you see things because you don't see them fresh right now. We're actually going into an entirely first brand new phase of a minister's and leadership meeting. It's not going to be like anything we've had before. Everything's a first right now. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. I've heard from heaven. I know it for a fact. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for you to be able to perceive it. And so I'm asking the Lord to help me to navigate it where you can see and understand. Glory to God. Now, here's the thing. Jesus walks up to Jerusalem, and notice what he says in Luke 19, 41. He says, and when he was come near, this is near the city, he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known. Do you see this now? If you had known, oh, glory to God. Even thou, at least in this your day, if you had known this was your day, if you had just known you're the people, this was your day. Glory to God. I mean, decide that right now. It's my day. This is my time. Nothing that has ever happened in my life. Decide that right now. No, there's zero, nothing that has ever happened has anything to do with today and what God's about to do for me today. What Jesus has done is paid the price so that everything he promised can happen for me today regardless. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He says, if you just knew, this your day, now look at this phrase, the things, say things, things. That, belong that belong to your peace. If you just knew today what already belonged to you, what ought to be happening for you now, today, yes. it belongs to you already. It belongs to your peace. Glory be to God. But now notice he says, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Now, we know why that happens, and I'll tell you that in a moment, okay? But let's just read the rest of this. So how important is it to be able to see how God sees, to know what God knows? We're about to read how important it is. He says, for the days will come upon you that your enemies will cast a trench about you and compass you round about and keep you in on every side. So revelation knowledge and knowing what belongs to you at the moment and making the proper decision at that moment has everything to do with whether or not your borders are entrenched and you never break out or break free ever and you actually you don't even maintain where you are. You get laid even with the ground and not only that, your children within you, it says, which means not only 
is what you've already done cut down and won't continue to bear fruit, but it will cut off the blessing that was intended for the future of your family line. Is it worth it to sit there like a bump on a log? So understand he is saying, realize what's happening. I'm doing everything I ever promised you, which is no matter what has ever gone on or what anybody has ever done, I will restore to you the, key, the years. I'll bring you out of the furnace like the fire never happened. I will make the enemy pay back sevenfold. If you can just see it and believe it, consider not the former things. None of that has anything to do. If you can just believe it, I'm going to do such an accelerated work, it's going to be like a dream, and I'm going to fill your mouth with laughter. Woo! Glory to God. So he's saying these people, because it was hidden from their eyes, so how important is it to see? what's really going on because Jesus now remember the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him this is Jesus looking at Jerusalem telling that city what was brought to that city at that moment Jerusalem your jubilee has come Nazareth your jubilee has come now, why would you take your jubilee out to a cliff and want to throw it off? All because it messes with your religious tradition and you're frustrated about being told you could have had it by now if you'd have just believed. You, you, got, you got Cain and Abel. Cain could have been equally blessed. All he had to do was make an adjustment and not have an attitude about being corrected. Well, Nazareth was the same way. If they, had, if, they, if they just hadn't had an attitude and disapproved over, you know, how things got where they were and who he was and how he grew up amongst them and recognized that the anointing was there to create a jubilee for them. A reset of the entire economy, naturally and spiritually, that would have changed the trajectory Thank God Jude and James finally saw it. But have you ever wondered when he first preached in Nazareth where Jude and James were? I mean, they wound up being writers, contributors, apostles in the New Testament. Imagine where they might have been in that first message, that first Nazareth crusade. <laughs> there, may need, there may need to be some changes in the way you think about some things. Well, see, they didn't know. You got two sets of people, if you knew what belonged to you. But you didn't know, so this is going to happen. Well, he already said this in the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. Let's go back to 13, and you'll see what he said here. Because he speaks this to Jerusalem as well. And obviously, you know, we don't have to have a whole lot of education to know that chapter 13 comes before chapter 19. But he says in verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto you, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, you would not. 
Behold, your house is left to you desolate. Do you see that? Can you see that? So here's the point I'm trying to make. If we're going to have what belongs to our peace in the day of visitation, if this new sudden supernatural, bam, exploded suddenly of a miracle of restoration happens, you're probably going to have to adjust how you handle the way you respond to this prophetic utterance. He said, I would have done it as often and as soon as you responded right. I'd have done it that quick if you'd have come under the wings. But you wouldn't do it. That's why almost every revival starts with repentance. Because when people finally repent, it means they have actually seen that they're really not all that. That it's not God's fault that it hadn't happened. And the fear of the Lord gets restored to the house. The order comes back in. And now the glory has room to come in and work amongst us. Because if it had come before it crushes sin, it would have crushed us. Because it will kill carnal stuff. And that's why it doesn't normally manifest. Because he loves his people too much. He said, thou shalt not kill. And he keeps his own word. Amen. So we see this. This is huge. So the point is there may be, with the new, a new embrace of commitment when you see it clearly. When you see it for what it is, you're going to have to admit you allowed yourself to slip and drift. And until you're willing to admit that, you can't get back where you need to be. You know, the best way I can describe it is you enjoy the ocean and the waves are great and it's all good, but the problem is the waves aren't coming in exactly parallel to the shore. They're coming in at an angle. And so with every wave, the wave pushes you about a foot that way, and then when the undertow goes out, it pulls you back this way. And, you know, you're out there in the ocean for a little while. Has anybody ever had this experience? And you've got the tent on the beach and people are sitting there and your family's up there and they're in the shade and kids are making sandcastles and whatever else. But you're out there and you got your goggles and maybe you're picking up shells and whatever and then you look up. How did I get 200 yards down the beach? I wasn't paying attention. I didn't hold my ground. That's how. With every wave, I moved just a little. I said, with every wave, I moved just a little. Now, this is exactly what Paul was talking about in his supernatural relationship, spiritual partnership with Demas. When he was writing to Timothy, he, he calls Demas by name. A guy that was his partner, companion in ministry. And he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And the Greek means he got sucked out in the undertow. He just stayed on the edge. He didn't get up on the shore. He, he didn't get right next to me. He didn't hold his ground. He just kind of kept messing with it until finally there came a time he was he didn't have enough ground under him that when the riptide came, he was sucked out. You ever wonder what happens to people? That's exactly what happens to them. It's not one thing. It's the little offenses. It's the little familiarities. It's the stuff you don't correct in your attitude of familiarity. 
of opinions that you have. And what is not a faith is sin. You know, I'm going to read you a scripture here, and uh, I'm just going to let the Word say, I mean, the, the Lord, I was in the Word this week and spending some time with God, and I'm going through here, and it just literally jumped off the page at me. And so, as in with all ministry, I mean, we're coming into a ministers and leadership meeting. So as with all, any kind of leadership, any kind of ministers meeting, you know, um, I, I always have appreciated the coaches that just had enough fortitude at the end of the game to get up to the mic when it really is evident. I mean, it's one thing if they're, I hate to use this term because in church, you know, we're not to trust in uncertain riches and all that, but a game is temporary and decisions are made and I get all that. So they use terms like, well, we're going to roll the dice. You know, I watched one the other day about, you know, a fourth down call. What, it's either going to, we're either going to win big on this one or, or we're going to go home, you know, destroyed. But I'm rolling the dice. This is a moment. It's a make it or break it play at the end of the game, right? And everybody can second guess it. Do you go for two or not? That kind of thing. I've always appreciated the coaches that get up after the game with the honest commentary when it's obvious. Where the coach, the leader, says, you know, I realized we were not as prepared as we should have been and could have been. As a unit, a team, I didn't prepare my team properly. I got out coached today. I've always appreciated that. Because that's a leader that will make a correction. I say, this isn't happening again. The defeat stings too much. My pride's not worth losing again. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? This is huge. Well, then that means the player's got to make adjustments too. There's corrections across the board. I said there's corrections across the board. You know, I come in here today... Uh, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt from heaven I'm wearing a coat to apostolically plant a new church. I mean, I've never been more sure than have the church planting coat on me. See, a lot of people don't understand that a pastor may not be an apostle, but in order to plant a church, there's an anointing of an apostle that will come on them for a season to get that thing grounded and going. And I'm just telling you, there's a new coat on this ministry to establish some things. Yes. I'll get there in a moment. But it's important then to not let familiarity destroy what that work is designed to do because it can happen quickly. And it will. I said it will. Because there's faith in the room. Glory be to God. Amen. So read this. Just understand. And if you need to make an adjustment, you know, it's that, it's that undertow. It's that every wave moves you a few inches. It's not like the tsunami came and blew me 200 yards down shore. I looked up and I'm 200 yards down shore. How did that happen? Every wave has affected my position a little bit. And have you ever noticed, has anybody ever tried to get back where you were while in the water? It ain't easy, is it? No. 
Sometimes you just got to decide, you know what, forget this, and get out of the water and walk down the beach. That's a correction. I'm out of place. I'm not where I need to be. I need to make an adjustment. I've got to get back. Now, look at this. Listen to this. This is the Amplified Classic in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. I really am asking and believing God that he's going to just divinely breathe upon your heart to hear what our Lord Jesus said. Here's what he said. He said, but I tell you on the day of judgment. Now, this is our Lord Jesus talking. And I don't care how long you're in the ministry, we don't have the pay grade to change this book. My assignment is to preach this book, not preach my opinions about it or tell you it's okay to disobey it. This isn't up for debate. (laughs) So just hear me now. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, men. Now, you, you understand the first two letters of men is me. So see, when I say men, you say, yeah, people are going to have to give an account. No, me. Not men, me. (laughs) But I'll tell you on the day of judgment, me will have to give an account. Of what? Every. Every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. So is it okay for you to flap your gums about your opinion and not add your faith to the vision? I tell you that me will have to give an account for every word ever even beginning to slightly touch God's plan for this that had no faith in it. We don't hear a lot about the doctrine of eternal judgment. But evidently, if the tithe opens the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing on a group of people, and he says in Malachi 3, your words have been stout against me, it's why it's not working. then that's a significant thing. If he says, I'm literally got a book in heaven, and in my book in heaven, I'm writing down everything, every one of you saying to one another. Did you know that was even in the Bible? And in the day when I make up my crown and hand out the rewards, when you've encouraged and used faith to build one another up, that's a jewel going to go in that crown. What do you think is going to happen on the opposite side. If you say, well, you just, have to, you just have to understand. I mean, that's just the way I am. I mean, I just call it the way I see it. Well, that's the problem. You don't see it right, so you're calling it wrong, so you're going to be wrong, so you're going to get judged for it. It's not about calling it the way you see it. It's about you submitting so you can see it the way he sees it. Because you've got to repent and understand you're not seeing it right. 
And one of the things you're not seeing right is that you're coming to the church you've always come to. This church has never existed. This church only got started two or three weeks ago. <laughs> I know because I've been visited by heaven. And I know the mantle I'm wearing today to get it established. Glory to God. And so I'm just kind of, you know, dealing with a little bit of, a, you know, polish on the silver here for a moment. So we get the proper reflection talk of the next few minutes about what is happening in this room. Oh, glory be to God. 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 Behold, I do a new thing. And it's going to be an absolutely as glorious as that interstate getting moved off that property. It's just going to happen. Whoa, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. There's a new thing afoot today. Aren't you so glad that you know that you know that you know you're exactly supposed to be connected to this brand new church that God's planning to reach the world? Oh, hallelujah. Very few churches start with this kind of a foundation. Very few churches start with this kind of a worldwide outreach. Very few churches start with tithing people in a financial base like we have and equipment like we have. Man, this church plant is equipped. Mm. Whoa, glory to God. People would dream to start a church with this already done. Whew, and we got it. Whoa, we're in a small percentile. Glory be to God. Hey, glory be to God. Woo, and you need to know what you're a part of. You're watching every week. We got internet members, and you're part of a brand. It's a new thing. Somebody shout out, it's a new thing. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now, let me, get, let me cut to the chase for the next few minutes here, uh, dealing with then the cornerstone of what the Lord said about this new work, okay? Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Hallelujah. Woo, glory be to God. This is the word of the Lord concerning the purpose of this new church. I said this is the word of the Lord. This is the anointing and the purpose behind why God planted this church. I said this is the word of the Lord. If you have ears to hear, you'll understand why he wants this church to exist. Glory be to God. Are you ready? Verse 20. And the God of peace. Woo, glory to God. Are you listening to me? And the very God of peace. I said, and the very God of peace. And the very God of peace. Shall bruise. The Greek word is crush, so I'm going to use that word. The very God of peace shall crush Satan under the feet of the members of this new church. Whoa, you need to get prepared for whatever you battled to fall in shivers, shattered under your feet. It's time for not a vestige to be left of anything you've ever dealt with. This church has an anointing on it to crush him. 
And this church is not planted to put up no, sir. with the curse. No, sir. No, sir. It's planted to announce to the whole world that there shall be no more curse. I'm done keeping the curse in an aquarium in the bedroom like a pet. Boy constrictors are not pets. Amen. And we're delivered from this thing. And the Lord said it would be a decade of deliverance. Yes. Woo, glory be to God. And I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost. I, uh, you know the vi these visions in the night have come. And I can see now the apostolic coat to plant this church is now going to continue on for a season. I'm not in any way on any Sunday morning going to try to get it all done in one morning. Okay? We're just going to lay the foundation. Oh, this is a track that's going to explode into miracles like in nothing you've ever seen before. Glory to God, overnight miracles and miracles in multiples and miracles like people have never seen before and financial miracles and different kinds of miracles. And glory be to God, the anointing is on us to crush Satan, to crush him, to create an atmosphere where when people have the devil hanging on them, they come in here, it gets crushed off of them. Whoa, glory be to God. We're a people that crushes the devil and his works and his power. It's why we're here. Yes. Thank you, God. Sins, besetting sins are going to leave them. The atmosphere of revival is going to explode. Physical ailments are going to get recreated. I'm talking about before they ever get to the altar, we're going to have folks so full of faith they're praying for them as they're parking cars. And they're going to get out with two, a leg two inches shorter than the other one. And by the time they're walking down the hall and come to church, their legs are even. It's time for the body to understand that we're the glory containers of this hour of human history. And God, I'm just telling you, the Holy Ghost, you just need to be prepared to be visited. If you're a loose cannon with your thoughts and your tongue, be prepared to be arrested by the Spirit of God. He's about to tell you and make you to know you're going to be judged by, for every idle, non-operative, non-working word and opinion that hinders the plan of God. He wants a bound people to come into a house that is free. And bound people can't set bound people free. Now, there are things, there's so much here, and I'm just going to make some statements uh, about it because we're going to preach them out in different directions. But today, it's the apostolic declaration. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans. It's probably the longest of his epistles, of the 13 epistles of the New Testament. Um, it's, it's the longest book, basically, epistle that he wrote. It's interesting because the Apostle Paul, he didn't deal with a lot of uh, correction of church issues. The book of Romans is really written as a much, a strong, long, detailed expose of the gospel he was given in the third heaven to the Gentile world of the city that at that point basically had the natural ability to rule the known world. We don't know where the church in Rome exactly came from, but he's writing to the church in Rome. 
it's very possible that the Italians, and we know that they were there at the day of Pentecost, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and somewhere along in all of the Roman travels, because they said all roads lead to Rome, aren't you glad we're opposite from Rome? You can see the world from here. <laughs> Amen. At the time that Paul was writing the book of Romans, he was probably writing it from the, maybe Sincrea, but certainly from Corinth. He was there planning to go to Rome, believing to go to Rome. And in fact, he wrote to Rome telling them that he was going to come see them. And also that from there, he was going to establish a base and go from there to Spain. So clearly, as an apostle, he's speaking to a church he's actually never been to. This is huge. So in his apostolic assignment, he's speaking and writing to a church he's not physically been to yet, and yet we're going to read that that church had been influenced by his ministry, had heard his teachings, and by people whose lives had been completely delivered. He, had, he names them by name from different... In fact, he's sending Phoebe who was a woman of the house church from Sincrea with the letter to Rome to deliver this letter to the Roman Christians. And the church was made up both of believing Jews and, of course, Italians and Gentiles. And it was a multicultural international city of about a million people at the time. There were about 50,000 Jews in the city at the time. There was more than one church in Rome. And he sent Phoebe with an assignment. Take this gospel. I'm going to send it ahead of myself. I'm coming. Take this gospel that I've written to all the believers, every believer that's in every church in Rome, and distribute it. These are people that never heard Paul preach. Some of them had never heard some of this revelation. That is why this book, I'm just going to tell you, the book of Romans, wow, I don't have enough to say about it. But you have to realize that he does, he, he spends so much time talking about in, in chapter 1 why he's writing it. He said, I long to come see you. Now, hear my heart now. I long to come see you. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Before he gets down to verse 11 and 12 in Romans 1, and we'll read this in weeks to come just so we all kind of look at it together. But just kind of follow me right now. So in Romans 1, he tells you why he's writing the book to the church at Rome. And he says, for obedience of the faith unto all nations. He sees Rome as an apostolic beachhead to go to Spain and really the then known world. And, and so Rome was the next place he had to put his foot, so to speak. If you, and he first did it by writing and getting revelation there. And he said, I long to see you in order that I may, now listen to what he said, impart to you. Now think about this because all over Greece and Achaia and Asia Minor, he had established the churches. He literally had birthed the, the church at Colossae and Thessalonica and all of those places. But this church, he didn't start. We don't know who started the church at Rome, who carried the gospel to Rome first. Maybe it was from the day of Pentecost, from the Italians that were there and got filled with the Holy Ghost. It could have been, and very possibly could have been, Priscilla and Aquila that got so influenced by Paul's ministry that they went on ahead of him to Rome because he mentions them by name. And certainly, 
they were there and had a ministry presence in Rome and probably a house church at, least, at the very least in Rome because he speaks of them by name. He speaks of the members of the church of Rome by name, though he had never been there. And we're going to talk about that briefly today, just briefly for a divine purpose. But what I really want you to see as much as anything, because I don't want to muddle the water with a lot of facts. We'll talk about the history and all of that as needed. But I want you to understand the purpose why he wrote it and the eternal impact it carries today in the apostolic assignment to plant the gospel in a certain region so that it affects the known world in that generation. Oh, come on now. Glory to God. This thing's bigger than these four walls. So understand, he said, I, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to the end you might be established. So that's what he says in Romans 1, 11, and 12. So his idea is I'm writing it, and in those first few verses, he's writing it as an apostle. So there's ever, evidently been enough influence and relationship, even though he's never been there or preached in that city, that he felt like God had commanded him in the office of apostle to apostolically, firmly establish boom, the church of Rome before he ever arrived because it was his gifting to get the roots of that church driven so deep that Nero or anybody else couldn't kill it. That's why I wrote the book. And we see that because we're going to see him say the same thing here in Romans 16, what we just read, okay? In between, the whole book is about the gift of righteousness that grants Jew and Gentile alike the authority to reign in life. And if God be for us, who could be against us? So right in the middle of Rome, staring down Caesar, the church is here to say, and Satan is done. So he finishes the book writing to these Roman citizens, and he tells them, in Rome now. And they considered, most Jews considered Rome the devil. Even today, we have whole denominations that think, you know, that the Antichrist is going to come out of the Catholic Church. I mean, they consider Rome the devil, man. And he says, the very God of peace. Well, shortly, soon, quickly, and suddenly, shatter. Break to shivers, grind to powder, the devil under your feet. Right in the middle of Rome. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So there's a reason he's writing this, because he gets up close and personal. And I want to point out three things. This is so critically important. I want you to back up out of verse 20 and go back with me to verse 17. And notice what he says. Now, I beseech you, brethren... Look what he says. We're going to see at the end of this book the things that the entire book was written to accomplish. Are you listening to me? And then we'll have some understanding, some insight, some revelation that it's not okay 2,000 years later to have any of this going on because this is not just an idea to get a church started. 
We're talking about demons, Satan's operation to stop God's plan, and how it's got to be dealt with. Are you listening to me? And so here's what he says. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions. Avoid them at all costs. He said, get away from people that are divisive, hold on to their own opinion, and, don't, and hold grudges and are cliquish and get offended at every little thing. Because that's not the church that can crush Satan. That's what he's dealing with here. And so he goes on. Let me just read it. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. Contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. Contra Evidently, the doctrine they had learned was that you don't operate in division. You don't get offended easily. You're not touchy or resentful or fretful. You're a new creature, and you don't treat one another after the flesh. And he said, so here's the deal. If you're going to simplify things and not be complicated, and if you're not going to let evil in your midst, because by the time he gets down to verse 19, he says, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet, 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 yet. In other words, he's warning them. I would have you to be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning evil because, why? The very God of peace is going to bruise, crush Satan under your feet shortly. His point is the word simple means uncomplicated. It means no mixture. So he's saying you cannot mix your own ideas with the gospel and the gospel work. Any more than you can put sugar in the gas tank of your car and the engine be okay when the gas goes through it. You have to understand that if you're going to crush the devil, you're going to have to get simple concerning what's good and realize division is not your opinion, it's the devil influencing you. And now he's equating that within verses of if you're going to crush Satan, you're going to have to crush division. If you're going to crush Satan, you're going to have to crush getting offended so easy. If you're going to crush Satan, you have to crush wearing your feelings on your shoulder. Or taking all the former things you knew and bringing them into this new church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This is huge. So you need to understand that I'm, con I'm convinced of this. And so I'm just going to announce it. <clears throat> the strongest spirit, territorial demon I'm talking about, where we're established, where our ministry base is established, is a spirit of division. There's just no question about it. In my mind, I'm as clear about it today as I've ever been, and I've been dealing with this thing for decades. I'm absolutely convinced the apostolic coat on our life and ministry, the number one assignment of this church is to crush that spirit of division under our feet. We're here to take that territory. And nothing else, anything less, will be failure for why the church was formed. So we got one or two options. Either the spirit of the city is going to get in the church or the spirit of the church is going to get in the city. That's exactly right. That's right. 
And so far, because people don't recognize it as a demon and think they can do what they want, the pressure hasn't been equalized. You know a little bit something about science class, right? When you equalize the pressure, you got water and air, and you equalize the pressure, the water can't come up or the air goes in. And Okay, well, that's the way it is spiritually. We're either going to keep that thing out and push it back, or we're going to relax and it's going to push its way in. So today, God has a plan. Now, here's the plan. Let's drop down now past verse 20. I want you to look at verse 25. Now, to him that is of the power to establish you. Do you see that? He said in Romans 1, 11 and 12, I want to impart to you some gift that you might be established. Amen? Well, evidently, for us to get established, we're going to have to deal with the devil and get him underfoot. I said, for us to get a beachhead and get established, we're going to have to deal with the devil and get him underfoot. <clears throat> so he's saying here, <clears throat> the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret since the world began, but is now made manifest. This is what you need to understand. There are three things. There's an anointing here specifically, simplistically in a way, but number one, to absolutely, there's an anointing on this church. I'm telling you as an apostle of God in the office of prophet by revelation from the head of the church why we exist as a new church in this city. Amen. We exist as a new church in this city, number one, to crush the spirit of division under our feet and take the territory to make Texarkana, USA God conscious. There's a move of God coming that has been prophesied for 100 years. Somebody's going to have it. It might as well be us. Some, we are the epicenter of revival. A glory storm is on the way. It's either going to manifest or not, and it's up to us. Do you recognize the day of your visitation? And are you willing to stay out there in the ocean and be pushed down the beach? Are you going to be willing to make a difference and come out of the undertow, get out of the mess, consider not the former things, and rise up and say, my new is now, and I'm a part of something God's been wanting to do for decades. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. So number one, this church exists to break the back of this spirit of division and grind it to powder. Yes, sir. Yes. That means in order to do that, there can be zero threat of it in the assembly. Because it can no longer be something we've got to have counseling about or we'll just work this out. It's a demon. Demons can't be dealt with that way. And until you recognize your attitude is demonically induced, you won't resist it right. You'll think it's okay. It is not okay to play with a rattlesnake in church. It is not okay for you to come in here offended. It is not okay for you to come in here waving an AK-47 around unless you're part of the security team stopping evil and getting it out. And it's not okay for you to come in here bringing division because it's the manifest presence of the devil himself. And we are not going to have it in the name of Jesus, we break that demon's back and we crush it underfoot from this day forward. The second thing that's going to happen is we have the authority upon us. Oh, I don't know. I know if you've never experienced these things, you don't have a clue what just happened to me. I've been under the anointing enough now. I just, I don't know, one step. I was right here. I took one step and I went through a veil. I mean, I just went like that suddenly. Glory to God. 
Woo, this thing's happening. Glory to God, this thing's happening. In the spirit, it's happening while I'm talking. There's a coat here to do this thing. Let's just thank him for it here for a minute. Glory to God, I'm so glad to be a part of God's plan. Woo! Hallelujah. Number two, he says very clearly that there's an establishment. So this church is designed not only to curse Satan off of the lives of people that get connected and anybody that comes in its influence, but it's also here that that life, which is wishy-washy, you know, pushed around by the world, there's an anointing here to impart something to that life that they become stable, useful, productive disciples and exhibit a change. This says the very God of peace has taken all these besetting emotional traumas and I'm not a person in trauma that has to talk everything out. I have an answer for people. I'm established. I know who I am and where I'm going and I have an identity and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's deliverance to everybody that receives it. Woo! So we're stable church. And then... He says, it's manifested among us. He said, the, the power of it establishes you, and when you get established, God can now hang some fruit on you. Some manifestation's going to come now. I said, some manifestation's going to come now. Some things you've wanted to manifest a long, long time is actually going to start coming on your life now. Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God. Whoa! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say, time for manifestation. So what that means is the purposes of God in your life and in this vision are going to be revealed and realized in a very supernaturally shortened, accelerated time frame. Everything he said is coming to pass. Just as sure as Gabriel visited Mary and hundreds of years of prophecies came together in a nine-month span. Did you hear what I said? Now, it had to grow and it had to become, but it was born within nine months, hundreds of years of prophecies, born and became flesh. Glory to God. It's time for us who have conceived it to birth it. It's time to carry it to its place of manifestation. Glory be to God. Do you receive it? I said, do you receive it? All right, let me show you something, and I'm going to turn the corner here very quickly. I want to show you this. We'll be right back to Romans 16, but go with me to Luke chapter 10, and uh, you'll see why in just a moment. This is so huge. Luke chapter 10, and I want to start reading from verse 1. I'm going to read Amplified Classic, and we're just going to roll down through it, and I'm only going to make a point or two, but I want to read this to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, in the Amplified Classic, and if you can follow me, we're just going to roll through it. <clears throat> now, after this, the Lord chose and appointed 70 others and sent them out ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to come visit. And he said to them, where he was about to come visit, where he was about to come visit, I said, where he was about to come visit, if you knew the time of your visitation, I said, if you knew the time of your visitation and the things that belong to your peace, the very God of peace will bruise, shake, crush Satan under your feet shortly. 
If you knew the things that belong to your peace, the very God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. If you knew the things that belong to you right now, you would begin to see manifestation of the things that have been against you falling down and leaving your life. And he's saying he's about to come visit. Somebody say he's coming to visit. Ooh, I believe there's a habitation. I want to be the place prepared for him to stay. Glory to God. He said, go your way. Behold, I send you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. He talks about carrying no purse or provision and so forth. He says this. Now, verse 5, look. Whatever house you enter. Did you hear what I said now? Just, just, just lock on to this. The very God of peace. The very God of peace. What's he going to do? Crush. Come on now. You're slow. The very God of peace is going to what? What's about to happen in your life? Everything the enemy's ever done is about to be crushed, shattered, splintered, ground to powder. All the delays, all the opposition, all of the issues. The Lord told me, he said, my people have a defeat mentality and I need you to begin to raise them up into victory thinking. That's what he said to me this morning in prayer. He said, I need you to stay at this until they shift the way they think about their situation, their family, their house, their kids, because they're looking at what is and they're wondering why it hadn't worked and why it's been so long. And he said, they have a defeat mentality and I need, I need them to shift into victory thinking. They have to understand that this is supposed to be under their feet. Here's the lack of revelation people have. The very God of peace is going to crush Satan, but he's going to use your feet to do it. And if you will not thrust your heel down on the snake's head, he cannot crush him because he uses you to crush him. The authority's in you. The name is in you. The faith is in you. So it's not just going to sit back and it's going to happen. You've got to put your foot down. I said, you've got to put your foot down and say, enough is enough. This is demonic. I'm not putting up with it anymore. I'm not letting this snake loose in my house. I'm done with it. I'm cutting its head off today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm not going to be this way anymore. That means a new day, a new church, and a new you. It means an anointing on this assembly to crush the devil and his works on the lives of the people that are attached. Amen. And it means every house. Every house. Somebody say every house. So stay with me now. Look what he says. Whatever house you enter, it's time for you to let this enter your house. It's time for you to let this peace enter your house. I said it's time for you to let this God of peace enter your house. Get your hands off of it and let the God of peace in there. I said, get your hands off of it. Get your tongue and your thoughts and your hands off. Worship him and cast your care on him. Use your faith in the name. Get your hands off of it. Quit thinking like you used to think. Let the God of peace in there. Because this is what's about to happen to your house. Whatever house. Would that mean your house? Say, this is my house. Say, first say. Say, first words win. Say this first. Peace be to this house. 
Do not go over the threshold of your front door before you get home today. When you go home from church, you walk through the front door and you hold your hand up and say to your house, Peace be to this house. Open your Bible, have it in hand, and walk through the door, stand in the threshold, hold your hand up and say, Peace be to this household, freedom in this household from all the distresses that result from sin. It's gone from this family. Yes, it is. Do you see that? It's gone from this family. I said it's gone from this family. In the name of Jesus. Now notice what else he says. He said, uh, if anyone worthy of peace. Now here's the problem with people. They have such a sin consciousness. Well, I'm unworthy or I just don't know if it'll work for me. That's the sin consciousness talking. He's saying here, Anyone that will just receive it is worthy of it. Amen. It's for everyone in every house. And if anyone's worthy of it, it'll come on them, which means if they'll receive it, it'll come on them. So it doesn't, it's not about you doing something or being good or making a change or anything. It's about it already belongs to you now. All you need to do is just back up and let him in and receive it. Just receive it. Say, this is coming to my house. This is coming to my life. This is on me today. And it's going to be that way from this day forward. And I'm not putting up with that mess and I'm not letting it back into my house. It's not magic. You're going to have to keep your faith applied. And in the same way you walk in your house and shut the front door behind you and lock it again, do it in the spirit. Walk through the door and then slam the door behind you. I'll never forget the last time I went with Miss Becky into the prisons. I was walking out and there's a big sign. And you go through the gate and the door clangs and it says, be sure to close the door behind you. Ka-ting. Why? They don't want the prisoners escaping. But when I saw that, the Lord said, look at that. Pay attention to that. He said, that's spiritual. So many people get delivered and come out of prison, and they never close the door behind them. It is time for you to close the door behind your spirits spiritually. It is time for you to slam the door on the devil, let him know that peace reigns in that house, and that you have freedom from the, all the distresses that sin has caused to you or your family, and I'm not putting up with that here in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm going to do everything I know how to not operate in familiarity while preaching you out of it. I said I'm going to do everything I can to act like you're responding like everybody else in the whole world does when I come to this anointing. And I appreciate that, Curtis. The thing is, it's got to get in your heart. Your body will respond. It's not about responding in body. It's about getting excited that this is real. Right. God's doing it here, that this is the epicenter of what's supposed to go to the world. Yes. That this is for me. That God placed this here and he wasn't confused about it. He's not confused about asking us to do this in Texarkana. He's not confused about sending you here and you living in Texarkana. 
So you stop being confused about whether he wants to do it here or not. Your deliverance is not low here or low there, somewhere else. The kingdom is within you. Amen. Get what I'm preaching down on the inside. Amen. If you get it on the inside, it'll show up on the outside and you will rise up. But as long as you're hoping, wishing, maybe, could be me, well, I'll wait and see, you're not there yet. And I'm going to do everything in my apostolic power to absolutely blow it off of you. Glory to God. I cast out devils. Surely I can cast that off of you if you'll give me an opportunity. Peace be to this house. Is there anyone worthy to receive it? Is there anyone that would actually enjoy freedom from all the distress and all the delays and all the curse that their own situations have caused? Remittance means removal. So when your sin was remitted, it was removed as far as the east is from the west. There is nothing left to deal with. Stop being on this side trying to deal with it. Its power is broken. Step out to this side into the glorious power of the peace of the gospel that will crush this thing. I heard this phrase. All I can do is lead you in it and believe that when you release it, you're responsible to release faith, that it will activate grace in you. Say, it's my time now. I heard this phrase. It's my turn now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The church is like a bunch of kids in a room watching other kids play a video game. And a couple of them have their hands on the controls and the other ones are sitting there watching all excited, but they just can't wait for their turn. It is time for you to get your hands on the controls. Glory to God, hallelujah. My healing is now. My deliverance is now. My breakthrough is now. I am part of a brand new church that's exploding in growth exponentially to get the will of God done. This whole ministry, we're out of debt. We have a jet. We're on TV. The ministry's free. First two services, then three. The building is filled to capacity. Give the Lord a shout right now. Glory to God. Have you seen debt reduction? Yes. Have you seen jets? Yes. Have you seen TV? Yes. Have you seen freedom? Yes. How about a building? Yes. How about one that's filled? Yes. First two services, yes. then three, yes. filled to capacity. Yes. A church that's worthy of housing an international ministry. Yes. Only thing that makes a person worthy is just to receive it. Yes. Faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, glory. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. I have other things to say, but maybe I'll get to them tonight. Glory to God. Woo, glory to God. We got a Holy Ghost meeting tonight. 
my God Almighty. I heard the Lord say, say this. Genesis 15, 6. This is the Magna Carta of all blood covenant. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's the issue. That's it. That's the issue. That's the key right there. That's the thing Paul wrote the whole book of Romans about. That's a one-liner that tells you the synopsis of the entire book of Romans. That if you believe, there's no difference between you and Greek. The same God of deliverance is the God of salvation to you and to your household. So the only thing that makes the people in the house worthy to have the peace is just believe it. That's how people get saved that have never heard it before. You know they were sinners. They're not even born again. But they heard it. They received it. Peace came on behind because the faith made them worthy. Faith is what gave them access. Gave them access to heaven. Gave them access to eternal life. It's not about your action. It's about your faith. That's why familiarity is your enemy. Get rid of it. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned. I'll never forget. I was on my way to do the graveside for Jay Blevins. And a wonderful minister of God. Some of you know him. Brother Happy Caldwell was assisting. And he had done the, the main part. And we were at the graveside. I was, doing, I was asked to do the graveside. And uh, Brother Happy was standing there. And I, on the way, I, I asked my family to drive me. Because I didn't really want to be focused on the road. And the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, here's what I want you to do. And it wasn't long. I took a little over 10 minutes, not quite 15. I don't think it was 15. I think 10 minutes is just a short graveside service. But I just simply ministered. And as I ministered to the people, God had said to me on the way, it was about a two-hour drive up there, and, and I was in the car, and the word of the Lord came to me, and I just wrote at the top of a piece of paper things I learned from my spiritual father. And there are seven things I remembered that he just said or did that just creased my life, changed it forever. In fact, I was so honored because there's many senior ministers, and one by one, I'd say at least half of them came up and said, by God, when I go, would you preach my funeral? Because it was just, the glory fell. Mm -hmm. Because they recognized the relationship, the love, the honor, and they wanted to have a legacy, you know, and we all do. We all want to leave something behind that actually goes to another generation. At the top of the list, I still remember he asked me to write the forward uh, to his workbook on the Christian family, and I wrote it. And uh, I remember something coming up on the inside of me because I'd learned it from him, but when I was writing it, because I learned it from him, it fit in that forward. And it was this, that your children are the message you're going to send to a generation that you may never see. But what I wrote in that forward was, I believe that's to be an absolute scriptural truth, that your children are a message that you're going to send to a generation you may never see. And I said, Brother Jay, may I be a worthy representation of that message? Because I consider myself a spiritual son. I don't know if I wrote it exactly like that. But. So as I was at that graveside, I remember this so clearly. One of those seven things 
And I'm sure there were more than seven, but at that moment it just fit. You know, the Holy Ghost just did it. But I remember one of the first times as a baby pup preacher, green behind the ears, I was preaching. Brother Jay was in the audience. There's just something about that sometimes that's just kind of like this, you know. And I'll never forget, he was on the front row. He had his Bible open. While I was preaching, he was on the edge of his seat. I'm using scriptures he'd probably read a thousand times, preached on them a hundred. And he's listening to me like it's the first time he ever heard that scripture. And he's not only established in ministry, he's, I don't know how many years my senior. And I learned something that day, and he told me, he said, son, I don't care where you are in any situation. Every moment is an opportunity to learn something. I remember what he said to me. He said, you can learn something from anybody even if you learn what not to do. So he said to me, if you ever stop learning, you are instantly on the path to being deceived. No, no. He said, if you ever stop being teachable. That's what he said. If you ever stop being teachable. There's so many Christians that long ago stopped being teachable. They wouldn't admit it, but they think they know. All right. yes. And here's the problem that is their disconnect. They may know the chapter and verse and can quote it like me. What they don't know, what they couldn't possibly know, is the revelation that God gave me that was revealed to me to give to them. And the moment they think they know as much, they're no longer receiving from the gift. They're looking at the man. And I can guarantee you, you'll never know as much as the prophet because the prophet's getting new downloads all the time. Now, you can know the Bible. You can know the doctrine. You can teach a message. But the revelation is the key to crushing Satan. What happens in familiarity is you become dull to the revelation and you treat it like the word of men and not the word of God. Paul wrote to the Berean church and he said, you know, you're more noble than all the Thessalonians. And nobody in the church at Thessalonica is as noble as you folks in Berea. You studied the scripture daily to see if these things were true. And then he wrote to another group of people and he said to them, the Corinthians, you've shut your heart off to me because you've been listening to other voices. Then he wrote to another group and he said to them, you understand? This, the relationship's different with everybody. Huh? And so as you go down the list and see how it operated, it can be with anyone. And so that, that, other, that third group, he wrote to them and said, you indeed received this as the word of the Lord and not the word of men. Now, that's huge. And that's what he was trying to do with the Corinthian church. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Uh, i got to do this real quick before we close today. When the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about communion, that's why it's in red. He said that same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he said, I received this from the Lord. 
This is not an impression. It's not a subject that I got a bunch of scriptures together and studied and came up with an outline. He said, you Corinthians don't understand that unless you receive communion by faith with revelation, discerning the body of Christ the way it's designed, if you don't use your faith and do it correctly, it's, this is the reason many of you are weak, sickly, and die premature. Because you received it as an ordinance. You thought it was something the church did. But I received this from the Lord Jesus. Which means when he's teaching them about communion, they don't need to receive it like Paul's the one teaching them. Because Paul wasn't teaching them about communion. He was just repeating what the Lord had taught about communion. That's why I never ever again anymore try to say or, or, or even pray, Lord, help me to teach the people because I'm not here to teach you. I'm asking, Lord, will you supernaturally anoint me with a grace of utterance to help me teach the people what you've taught me? Because yes. I have no way of knowing every need you've got. But I do know this. There's an anointing that's in this room that will fix everything. And we're going to take it up out of these limits. And we'll get the fear of the Lord back in the house where it ought to be. Huh? I mean, I don't know how much fear of the Lord you could lose in three weeks' time. Maybe I'm just going to teach you the fear of the Lord like it ought to be in this new church. Glory be to God. Wow. Wow. I, uh, I'll have to deal with Romans 16 later. Let me just say this much to you. As I close, in Luke 10, he says, whatever house you go into, the next two or three verses, he says, and whatever city you enter, heal the sick that are therein. Every house and every city. Now, this is really critically important. This is something that I must share with you, and I've got to share it today in this service. Because this morning, the Lord spoke something to me sovereignly, and I just want you to see it out of the faith chapter, the Hall of Fame faith chapter in Hebrews 11, 15, and 16. I want you to see it as we process this now. <clears throat> this is huge. The Lord said something to me this morning, and I need to announce it while I'm under this anointing. It says, truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that's a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now look, look, this came off the page at me. This came off the page for this new church to me this morning, to, to announce this to this new church. Because God has prepared for this church a city. The city's about to feel the impact it always should have felt. He's been preparing the church, but he's been preparing the city for the voice of the church. There's more coming beyond that. I won't get into that right now, but the point I'm trying to make is every house 
and every city you enter, he said. Heal the sick that are therein. He said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. To tread. And whatever city you enter, and whatever house you enter, I give you power in that city, power in that house to deal with every demon. Because they came back, all seven of them came back and said, Master, the devils are subject to us in your name. He said, Behold, I give you power. <clears throat> Authority over all the power of the enemy in the city. Authority over all the power of the enemy in every house in the city. And anybody that will believe it can have it. Anybody in the city that will believe it can have it. Anybody in the house that will believe it can have it. You, I put this church, I prepared a city for this church. I put this church in this city for a reason. I prepared a city to hear the message and, and feel the anointing of this church so that Satan could be crushed under this city's feet. And the prophecies that have long been spoken about the move of God could come to pass. I'm totally convinced I'm right now, and you're right now in the presence of a heavenly cloud of witnesses. And that cloud is looking down, and I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, many of them that are now in heaven. When I was in that women's, I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, I know it. Those ladies, I was a teenage young man surrounded by my mother, and I don't know how many of them, six or eight other Women that I thought were old then, glory to God. <laughs> All I know is they got their hands on me, and I'm holding hands with them, and I'm, I'm the only male in the group, and I'm about, you know, I'm a kiddo. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the prophecies. I remember the prayer and the intercession. I remember the tongues and the interpretation. I remember them, the visions they had while we were praying in those homes. I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost. And I remember them prophesying to me. And in your generation, you're the ones going to see it. You're the ones going to see it. Your generation is going to see it. Well, glory be to God. It might have taken me a while to grow up enough to even understand what it was going to look like. But I'm telling you, I am going to see it. I am going to see it. And it's not going to be a year, two, or three, or 15 from now. Now it's at hand. Now's the time for the church to rise up. Now's the time for you to forget the former things. If an angel could visit Mary, I tell you, it, uh, glory to God. So what I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost is what the Apostle Paul said to all of those churches. And it has to do with esteeming. This is what he said. Moses esteemed. Esteemed. The plan of God and suffering the reproach, greater riches. He esteemed it greater than the riches of Egypt. And endured as seeing him that is invisible. See, the problem with the church not having heavenly supernatural download of Exodus is the lack of proper esteem. They're looking around how long it's been and the bondage and, uh, and they're not considering that the agent of deliverance is at hand. Yes, sir. They've got to look up out of that and understand it's time to have an Exodus. That's right. It's time to come out with our back wages. And that's exactly what it says in Isaiah 53. I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost. He said he had a greater respect. Say respect. respect. Say esteem. esteem. Respect. respect. And you know what Moses respected? It says there in Hebrews 11, the recompense of the reward. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, I'm so sure of the reward that's coming for our faithfulness. I'm so sure of the retribution to the enemy and the recompense of what should have already been that people either did wrong or by fraud or anything else. I'm not against them. I'm just telling you the God of heaven is setting his house back in order. You just got a victory. Esteem it well. It's marked in heaven. It's greater than any jet. He went through the fire and came out with gold. Can you imagine what's ahead? Do you know where we're standing? So I guess the final thing I'd say to you as I release you today is Isaiah 53. Because when they looked at Jesus, everybody kept in their mind trying to figure out who he was. And Isaiah prophesied they would. He said, we esteemed him not. Everything he did on that cross, he was their healer. He was their deliverer. He was the destroyer of everything that had a hold of them. But they didn't like the package it came in. It didn't fit what they thought it ought to look like. And Isaiah said, we esteemed him not. And lack of esteem is the same thing as despising and rejection. When a person treats the things of God with familiarity, you might as well have just rejected it. People come and go from church. They never open their mouth. They never say anything. But inside, the respect and the esteem for what was going on wasn't there. And then they wonder why they're caught in the undertow. They wonder why they're not established and they slip so fast, so quickly. Why they're unstable because there's something in this room to impart that you can't get just anywhere. That's what the Lord told me to tell you last week. And I just, I was bold enough to say it, so I'll say it one more time in closing today. Jesus said, I was a man and I was in the ministry and I was told by God to say to people, follow me. He said, you need to be, quit being so timid and worried about all the ethics and what people are going to think and think you're controlling and manipulative because I put something on you and it's time for you to at least admit people need to follow you. Paid me to know Peter and John would have never gone through Get Beautiful and raised that man up if they had stayed at Caiaphas' church. We got people, spiritual sons and daughters right now that are somewhere else worshiping out of convenience. And they're out of order and out of place because they've literally raised the dead and forgot where they learned it. And all the miracles that they're ministering to everybody about, they saw somewhere else. 
out of order. Did you hear what I said? It's all right. Restoration's coming. Hallelujah. Father, I've done my best. I, I know what you said. And with your permission, sir, in that great Holy Ghost meeting I'm looking into tonight, yeah, we'll get into that. We're, I'm excited about it. Your spirit, in a mighty way, will manifest himself in our midst. We thank you for what is happening and what will happen. I thank you for creasing the hearts of the people. And for this great Sunday morning in the first month of our new church, we are just so thankful for all the things that this new church is equipped with that most churches never start and have access to. How we thank you for it. And how rapidly it's going to grow. And how rapidly that the people that are called to this church are going to come from the north, south, east, and west. And we praise you for it. And we will use our feet <laughs> and our tongues to release our faith, to see your plan come to pass. Now, Father, as I release the people today by the Spirit, I say, peace be to this house. Freedom come to your houses. To you, to your children, and to your children's children, by the authority of the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, and I receive it. And I thank you, this house is built on a rock, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. Glory to God. 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 Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> wow. The first Holy Ghost meeting in the new church. Whoa! <laughs> I think you're going to want to be a part of it in Jesus' name. Well, it looks like some folks were stirred up to plant their seed, and so I don't have to tell you what to do. Y'all already come, came to a new church knowing how to tithe? That is awesome. <laughs> well, we receive it in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. If you hadn't placed your tithe, then we will receive it to the glory of God. We bless you today. Command a hundredfold upon it today. Under an open heaven in Jesus' name, glory be to God. And remember this, these last days, we're part of those reapers. Jesus is coming soon. I love you. God bless you. Get here 6 p.m. tonight. We're going to have a time. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. Hug somebody before you go.